0: And I think that the strongest point in a business is the team. And the greatest threat to the business is ourselves. Hello, and welcome to the Southern Stars,
1: West Cork is the business podcast. My name is Sean Mahan. And over the course of this series, I'll be chatting to some of West Cork's most interesting and accomplished business people about how they made their way in their respective industries and what has driven them to success? Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Eugene Scally, one of West Cork's leading businessmen over the last thirty years, who has built very successful businesses in Clonakilty, namely Scally's Super Value Supermarket and the Clonakilty Park Hotel.
0: Hello, Eugene. Good morning, Sean, and delighted to meet you here this morning for a little chat on old time's sake. Uh, I have a long association with the Southern Star as far back as 1984, and I continue to have uh, weekly advertising in the Star, which I'm still proud to do, and thankful for the Star for their contribution to part of the success of my story since 1984.
1: I'd like to start by going back to the early days. You're a Westmeath man by birth and a blow-in to West Cork in the 1980s. Tell me a bit about what life was like growing up, and
0: where did the passion you have for retailing and for fresh food, where did that come from? Very interesting to uh, listen to your comment about a blow-in, and very recently there in 2010, 12, we done some market research, and there was a lady interviewed for part of the market research and she says well i'm not going to shop with him he's still a blowing into west cork so that's I, I i kind of enjoyed that coming back then but to go back to your question <clears throat> i grew up in west bj and kilbegin was part of a family of nine uh, our background was farming and food and uh, i suppose back then we we were mixed farming like we had sheep we had pigs we had we had barley we had potatoes we had cows we had butter and it was a very we had a very interesting growing up at home on the farm we're very close to nature and I always had a great passion about great food and and I suppose we were producing it on the farm back then when it was hard work but there was nine of us there to do it and uh, it was there were, there were great moments in our lives and we had a great experience of tasting great food and I always I always felt that food was something that I would like to get into and develop and, I suppose from a very young age, I had this notion that I'd love to be a butcher and that was at seven or eight years of age. And it was a kind of more of a priority to me then at that age, uh, being a butcher or being ambitious about what I'd like to be. Uh, I, I put it certainly put it before school because I was never over enthusiastic about school. Uh, and from there on, then, I suppose our place would be busy all the year round. We'd be filling potatoes for the co-op in March we'd have poultry for the shops at the weekend, the local grocery shops, we would have butter uh, and and, and come winter time then we would always have plenty of turkeys to be plucked, geese to be killed. So there was always a huge amount of involvement in food around on on great food, which to this day still I'm presently passionate about the great food that was produced on a farm at home with nine youngsters. And I do often think how my mother and father done it all and kept it all together, but it was, it was a, a very interesting and enjoyable time in my life. So wholesome,
1: organic food was instilled with you from a young age. But what about your
0: first job? Where did that come in? Well, I suppose <clears throat> I came through the schooling system and uh, my mother always insisted on me sitting and doing my leave insert. I suppose she saw potential in a brain in me somewhere. And, uh, but I would never have any interest in school. I had done my leave insert when I was 16 years of age. and. Uh, Went to Dublin, the August bank holiday weekend of that year. I can't exactly remember, 1972, 73, along there. And I got a job in the supermarket. It was owned by D. E. Williams' and Tullamore, and it traded under the five-star brand back then. And I was delighted to get a job in the supermarket. And uh, I spent from August until Christmas uh, burning boxes in an incinerator out the back. And I was very happy to do that. And back then, you know, Sean, interestingly enough... Uh, the money was very small, 4 50 a week was my wage and I had to pay one fifty for a flat. And uh, I had money to spend and it was very interesting, but I loved what I was at. I stuck with it. Not a great start in life as I would have seen myself as the potential of being the butcher, but I progressed from the back door and the burning of the boxes into the warehouse. And uh, about 12 months into work, I was actually down on the shop floor in the meat counter where it was always my ambition to get to the meat counter. And it was there where I excelled on customer service, on the appreciation of the customer, on my own personality, develop my own personality, my skill set, and how important it was to be able to communicate and talk with the customer at the counter and have a bit of banter and laughter as well, as well as it was to have a bit of banter and laughter. There was 10 or 12 people on the counter, so it was a good team experience on the counter, it was a great work ethic, and they were things that I always appreciated along the way. And so that was, that was being employed by somebody else and
1: you started to progress through through the ranks there. Tell me now about the first step that you took into being a business person yourself and, and owning and, and running your own first business.
0: Well, I suppose <clears throat> once I got a bit of headroom in the supermarket where I was, I started off at, at 16 and a half burning boxes incinerator by the time I was 19. I was the assistant manager in that same said supermarket, and that was that was something that I was delighted to have come up the ranks because I knew I had the ability to be just more than a butcher, and and obviously, obviously like to to get up the ladder that time. There was a lot of young fellows and young people there looking for the same positions, but I got there and I was always proud of it, and I always felt like I kind of had the ability like to do more. And probably nineteen seventy nine, uh, five star supermarket the Williams and Tullamore sold out the business, and it was bought by by uh, Quinnsworth back at the time, Pat Quinns' days. And we got redundancy at that time. And um, I suppose I was lucky, really. I got a decent packet of money that time. But I realised after getting the money that there was a small little shop in Tullamore that was for sale. And I bought that shop in Tullamore with my older brother. And the rest is history. So you say the rest is history. How did that work? Did the first shop in Tullamore act as a catalyst for the rest? I'd say the first business in Tullamore, it actually certainly lay the foundation for lots of things that lay ahead that i obviously at that time at a very young age at 25 or 26 i didn't realize the pitfalls the angles the triangles or whatever sort of shapes or sizes you want to call them but like there was lots of things that had to be learned to develop the business, to get to where we're at today in 2023. But back in 1984, coming out of the shop in Tullamore, small business, great business experience, dealing with the customer, dealing with complaints, dealing with wholesalers, dealing with banks, dealing with solicitors. That was a great learning curve for me and and, and for any young person and every young person that's out there, you know, that's interested in, in business. These are important aspects of life, especially when you're involved in in, in in running your own business, that you have to know and have a good knowledge of what this is all about. So there's a key, there's a key
1: lesson there for people in business is, is effectively you've got to get your hands dirty. You've got to understand your business inside out um, before, before you're necessarily going to get to those higher levels. You, you've,
0: got to, you've got to understand the nuts and bolts of how your business runs. Well the only way a business will work is like you say Sean, to get your hands dirty uh, and nobody else is going to dirty their hand for you. You have to be prepared to make the sacrifice and the sacrifice you have to make to be successful in business is to put in the hours into it and that's that's not, that's not looking at a 35, 40 hour week. You're not going to get away with that no more. That day is gone and that day is still gone. But for a business to be successful, back then, like 80, 90 hours a week, there was no bother to work at that young age. And, and, and that was the keynote to the success, of, along with the findings of starting up a business in Tullamore. The shop in Tullamore, I think at the time, was about 1,500 square feet. And our first week into it had done 1,000 in turnover. Right. So that was back in 1983, so there was, or 1979, 1980. So there was a lot of learnings in that for both myself and my brother. And obviously today still stands like.
2: Hello. I hope you're enjoying this episode of our West Cork is the Business podcast. There's plenty more to come, but I just wanted to let you know that entries for the West Cork Business and Tourism Awards 2023 are now open. Entering the awards is free and easy and provides your business with a great opportunity to get recognised for all the brilliant work you do in West Cork. We have 8 categories which cater to all types of businesses, big and small, across all sectors. So enter now for the chance to be crowned overall West Cork Business of the Year for 2023. The West Cork Business and Tourism Awards are brought to you by the Southern Star in partnership with Carberry. Visit www.westcorkbusinessandtourismawards.ie today.
1: And tell me about your first impressions of Clonakilty, because I don't think you'd been down to this part of the country before.
0: It was very interesting, actually. Uh, Seamus Scali was working in Cork at the time. He was working in Musgrave, and he was responsible for the development of the Super Value brand within the Musgrave organisation. And I always remember meeting him. I came down to Cork from Portlaoise on the train, and I always remember him taking me... And I, I, I honestly thought that Clonakilty was a suburb of Cork City, like Ballincollig is today, or, or Bishopstown, but... Whatever it was about Clannacilty when we hit the top of the hill at the hospital, I just thought before I ever hit the bottom of the hill that this place would be a place I would love to be. And we got to the bottom of the hill, there was a derelict garage, and that was the site that Seamus Galley brought me to, which was interesting about the garage. It was owned by Jimmy O'Donovan and, and, and Michael McCarthy of Carberry Plastics back then, and they were the actual sellers of the of the site. And Musgrave bought the site, and we, myself and my older brother, bought the site off of Musgrave. And it was interesting how it was Michael McCarty back then, and today Michael McCarty and myself are in some way still involved in in organised things around the town of Tannickifty. It's something we're proud of. And this was in the nineteen eighties when there was
1: a lot of commentary about tough economic times in Ireland. So how did you find it,
0: trying to set up a business in that climate? Interestingly enough, I, I, I wasn't aware of, of the situation where Ireland was that time and, and the recession or the depression or whatever you want to call it, young people leaving home. It, it, I never thought of it. I came to Kilty to do a job. I, I worked I worked seven days a week. I worked 80, 90 hours a week. And, and it was... That was all I was focused on, was, was having a successful business in Clannock Kilty. So since that beginning, your super value store has become one
1: of the most successful, not only in West Cork, but also on the island of Ireland. Looking back, you must be very proud of the journey you've been on over the last
0: 30 years. But The first year was tough. Getting to know people, getting to know way around, getting to know the ordering system. Everything had changed again. We went from ordering in a book to a pluff to to uh, different dealings, uh, different dealings with banks and solicitors. Obviously, the business had grown, more people employed. Lord, never had a problem with people working. By the way, and it was always a great experience. And I've always, I always thought, you know, from a very early age that I would never refer to my people that were working with me as staff. I I think it's a cheap word. I never liked it. I I prefer the word team. I see more and more people now are using the word team. I'm not saying it's because of me, but I just felt that uh, being part of a team, uh, it brings quality to what the system and what what your situation is about, as opposed to say, oh, well, the staff, it kind of makes them beneath me, and I never wanted to be the owner of it. I never wanted to be the man of the business. I always felt I wanted to be part of the team of the business. So how does that attitude manifest itself? I remember a story you told me once about going to Boston in the 90s. It's a very interesting thing, really, how how your look happens, but Katrina, my wife's aunt, was a Columban sister. And she was home on holiday. And she was living in Boston. And I remember talking to her in the house one night about the shop and what we were doing. And she suggested that I go out to Roaches in Boston. And I said to her, "Uh, that's okay, fine. I didn't take too much notice of what she said. Being a nun, I thought she mightn't be that familiar with retail or mightn't be in the same vein of thinking as I might have been. And she said, I'm quite serious now because she knew, I say she knew, she thought that, I thought she was cutting me, but she said, I'm. so I went out to Roaches anyway, and the Roaches happened to be from down the old Hellington sale, which was interesting enough, two brothers again, they went out to Boston. So I went out to Boston anyway, and my God, what I saw, it was just exactly a picture of what I was looking for, and uh, I spent the whole day there with her, and I had tea in the convent, and, and, and I stayed in the convent, I'm sure, that night, with her, outside in Boston, and came back home, and... I said to Katrina, my wife, I said, there's only one way that we will get the people back in Clannock to understand what we're trying to achieve. Your your team, your your, people. people. The only way I get them to understand it. And I said that was to bring them out to Boston and let them see themselves. So lo and behold, anyway, about 1999 anyway, I'd say 12 of us went out to Boston. And we went out to Roaches and we met them and we spent a full 12 hours in the shop in West Roxbury. We took we could take photographs. The roaches were absolutely fantastic, took us up to the boardroom, had tea and scones and croissants, had hot lunch for us in the middle of the day. They were big into food were big into presentation of food. And I just thought that this was fantastic. And out we go anyway. And everybody then when we come back home, then you could say to uh, Michael Welch or or John or Malachi or Don. That's not what you saw in Boston. It's what I want you to do now is to deliver to me here back what we saw in Boston. And in fairness, my team of people that I took out to Boston delivered in space. And a lot of them are still down there 20 years later and they're proud of what they do. And they have been proud of the awards. They have won. They've won all sorts of fresh food awards, mm-hmm. supermarket store of the year, super value of the year. We've won all sorts of awards. And they're proud. And they're proud to win. And they're still proud to win. And it's very important. But you know, the most important part of the business is is the team of people around you. And like people say to me, are you worried about Aldi or Lidl or Duns or Tesco's or anybody coming into Atlantic Well, it's like the question you asked about the recession earlier on. I actually don't think about them. And I think the, the strongest point in a business is the team. And the greatest threat to the business is ourselves. Now, if we can't see the thing wrong ourselves and we're there in the face of it every day, we're in trouble, we're in trouble. So a, a business and the success of it is, you know, you can see into corners about it, but at all times, you have to be able to see around that corner and drive it on. And that's why people being respected within the organisation is so important to the business. And like, I go back, staff, cheap or don't like, never like the People look at me and kind of, where's he going? I, I, just, I just think it's, it's about a team of people working together to drive on, to drive on to get around that corner And how do, you, how do you encourage
1: the team to see around those corners? How do you encourage them to be always looking say one step ahead or what's the next <clears throat> thing they should be doing or, or just maintaining those incredibly high standards that
0: you've come to be known I for? I think the key to it really to, to get them around the corner and for them to be proud of where they're at is to be stuck in the middle of them working with them Be in the canteen in the morning with them having the tea break and have a laugh and have the crack about the match or Liverpool beating Man United on Sunday or simple stuff like that where where the lads will go up to the canteen and they'll have their banter and the girls will go up to the canteen at 11 o'clock and they'll have their banter and the girls will be talking about the youngsters growing up and the boyfriends where we'll go up we'll be talking about Liverpool or Clannacilty GA or Dublin winning all Ireland John Coleman and it's, it's that mix of interaction you go down then you go in behind the meat counter you go into the deli you go into the kitchen you go down to the bakery you might ice a cake you might uh, make mince meat you might pack chickens into a cabinet you might go in behind the deli counter and slice cooked meat or and it's just to be out there and to be stuck in the middle of the work environment with them, I think is very important. And how important uh,
1: do you see
0: talking to customers? A good, good, good question. Uh, I remember back uh, in the early days, uh, people would come into the shop and Sean Mahan might come in and I could spend 10 minutes talking to Sean. And next could come in then could be uh, Kevin Dillon. And I might say, Kevin, how are you? And keep going. And it would be pointed out to you that you would have time to spend with Sean and you wouldn't have time to spend with Peter or Johnny or whatever. And I would be very conscious of it. So when I am in the shop, I get around and it's, it's most of what I do would be out on the shop floor, get around, I speak to the people as I pass by keep moving on, have a word with somebody. Obviously, sometimes you might have to spend a time or two, somebody might have a good and chart result got, somebody might have a good exam result got out of college, somebody might have had a bereavement in the family or they might have had a wedding or something and obviously then you give it a little bit more time but by and large you, you get around and you have a word with everybody and it's all, it is a word or two and people are happy with that and it's interesting but like everybody likes to be recognised and, and I suppose we do ourselves as well and we, we don't need just an acknowledgement, really.
1: So growing up, you were very keen at the time to not go down the academic route, I believe. You were kind of keen just to get cracking, to get working, to get out there and to run your business. So what are your thoughts around younger people today in terms of the skills that are important for people to have
0: and to be bringing into the workplace? Interesting that you go back to uh, school, and my time in school, my wife, Katrina, uh, occasionally asks me, why did I marry a schoolteacher? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I haven't come up with a solution to that or the answer. But I would be absolutely, I would be absolutely so proud of the achievements of our young people today. I think it's absolutely fantastic to see it and to see them come true. And I would be just so proud. And so, you know, there are oftentimes youngsters will come to me and they will ask me. And I will be honest with them and I will be, I will never, I will never spin a story for the sake of spinning a story, especially with young people. I think it's very, and and, and, and they would come and ask me about different things about maybe their careers or about going to college or, you know, maybe about opening up a restaurant or whatever, you know, uh, Different youngsters will come to me and I say, you know, well done, fair play. I think it's important. I think it's important that, that we still have young. Not every youngster coming through the system is going to see around the corner either, but a percentage of them will see it. And I think it's important that we have them coming. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important that our young people have the work ethic. And I'm afraid it's slightly lost. I think youngsters are 24, 23, 24 before they're finished in college. And, you know, I do say to my own young fella. Who's 28? I was only 24 when I made my mind up to come to Clannock Hilty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's out in Vancouver now at the moment after doing a master's. He was president of UCC, and he's out in Vancouver now. He's 28 years of age. He has a good job out there, but he's not making any money out there. Uh-huh. He's having a good life. He's away abroad. And I think that the years from the, the, I think they're crucial years in young people's lives from 20 to 20 to 40, because that's the gap where you're able to work the hours, mm-hmm. where you have the energy to work the hours. Mm-hmm. I remember staying in Dixit on a Kilty back in the day and we were in an excellent house downtown and the lady of the house used to be occasionally she used to be upset with me and she used to say to me, she says, you will kill yourself working. But I was 26. Yeah. You were a young man, bags of energy and, well, and drive. And... And, and the only place I ever went to then was to the football field. Yeah. Yeah. but I could be in the shop. I'd be up in Cork in the morning at 4 o'clock in my van I'd be home with fruit and veg I'd have it on the shelf at 8 o'clock or half yet and then you were working a long day and probably going to football in the but evening but I was that happy to do yeah. it but like see the youngsters there now this thing is like when I was when I was in school when you'd done second year in school you'd done such a thing back and no then was the group cert
1: mm-hmm.
0: and any fella that wasn't that interested in school he would do mechanical drawing metalwork and woodwork and when he'd do the group cert in second year most of them were gone out to learn trades at, at 13 years of age or 12 years 13 years of age and I always remember I, my mother insisted on me doing the Leaving Cert and my older brother was only a year older than me by the time I got to do my Leaving Cert he had a brand new car at home in the yard and I had not a penny in my pocket which you were probably eyeing eyeing enviously as new car but, but like the whole point of it was like there's an extra year to Leaving Cert now yeah you're not allowed to go to school out till you're five I went to school at three mm-hmm. you're not allowed to start no I, my grandchild wouldn't be taken in school there in September because she was only four she's actually five her birthday's tomorrow my grandchild is five tomorrow Adeline and she was too young to go to school so she was starting in September she has six years to leave in and she'll have four or five so by the time that child is ready to go she'll be 24 or 25 and every youngster that's her age today male or female boy or girl it'll be the same I have John Carmack down there. He's my electrician for the last thirty-five years. Timmy hinnessy, my builder. Ray Joe Barrett, probably. they have no youngsters working with them. Mm-hmm. Timmy hinnessy's well up there. John Carmack told me the other day he was getting the free travel, and and Ray Barrett has retired. So do you do you, do you think there should be there's, there's a balance here between?
1: Uh, for some young people third level education is absolutely the right thing to do but for others maybe it's about more going into traineeships apprenticeships learning learning a craft what we what used to be called learning a trade a trade yeah
0: uh, I, think, I think that we're wrong I, I know I was talking to somebody there was an Effie Fitzgerald one day lately Efi was part of the schooling system in Cork and I, I was be personally friendly with Efi but Efi said like that they have to sit the leave and start now mm. I think that's wrong yeah I, I like a young fella Sidney's Leemansert now he's 19 sure, when my brother was 19 he had his apprenticeship served to carpentry Yeah, uh, and like all them young fellas at home funnily enough they were helping one another to build houses like my brother would do the joinery for one fella another fella would do the blocks another fella would do the plaster another fella would do the plumbing they built houses for nothing back then helping one another because they had the trades and knew what they were doing mm-hmm. but now like we're going to school and there's no youngsters in the trades anywhere now and I think it's very very wrong I think it seriously should be looked at and every youngster probably wants to go to college. But not every youngster is suitable to college. He might be better suited to an apprenticeship laying blocks, plastering, plumbing, electrical. And I can tell you one thing, the young fellas now that will see that today are the young fellas that'll see around that corner in four or five years' time because they will be the lads that'll be making the money because there will be such a shortage of plumbers and plasters and block they won't be there to do the work. No. And you can't it's like what I said about food. You can't go into the supermarket and buy cheap food and expect to dress it up. You just can't do it. And you cannot go into a college above in CIT or wherever you go and learn plumbing or electrical or plaster or block out of a book. Can't be done. Mm-hmm.
1: Eugene, uh, we're nearly at the end of our conversation today. Um, so to close, I'd like to ask you a couple of final questions, if that's okay. Looking back over your highly successful career to date is there anything that you feel if you had your time again you may have done differently
0: no it's okay no it's i'd say i suppose being reared in a big family i suppose we loved the company we battled, we rowed, we fought, we supported, we helped. We were big into food production at home. We had the butter, we had the cheese, we had the oh not the cheese, we had the butter, we had the eggs, we had the turkeys for Christmas, we had the geese, we had we had we had ducks, we had my sister got married in nineteen seventy eight or seventy nine in I think the Prince of Wales in Athlone, and there was duck on the menu that was produced on our farm at home. Duck, imagine we didn't start eating duck. In this country, duck is a luxury item today. But back then, my father and my mother, the rest of them, were very passionate about we were having duck on the table for the, for the, for the it was, then it was the wedding menu, but in the earlier days it was a wedding breakfast. And <coughs> I suppose the fact that it was family, and then, then to move away, to move away and to come to City and to share the experience of a different type of family again and work with the team of people and to be part of the team. Uh, no, I don't think there's anything I would do differently. I'm I'm very happy with where I'm at. I'm very happy with what I've done. I've had a great life in West Cork. I've had a great wife. I have four great kids and I have a great team of people working with me in Atlantic City And like... Yeah. I... Couldn't ask for any more. Uh I'm I've wound down now. I have my succession plan complete. And I'm sixty six years of age. I got the free bus travel last week. <laughs> I won't use it. And I'm very happy about having the succession plan with my four kids complete and I'm happy to move on.
1: Fantastic. You strike me as the kind of person who looks forward rather than spends too much time looking looking back. Well
0: well like it's not it's not why or it's not yesterday. Why yesterday is gone, Uh it's tomorrow.
1: That's a fair point. And if you, obviously based upon the, the wealth of experience that you've built up over the years and you've imparted some of that experience very generously in our conversation today, but if you were to leave a thought or one piece of advice for anybody in business today, what might that be?
0: Uh, if I was to, yeah, I, well, the first thing I would say is, 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 don't be afraid to work hard. Don't be afraid to dirty your hands. Get stuck in. But I think that the youngster coming through the system today, starting out, that's going to work the eighty and the ninety hours a week that I worked, should not be punished in his income for working eighty or ninety hours. He should be rewarded for it. I think we should encourage. It. Okay. and I think the best way to encourage anything is in your pocket mm-hmm. and like if a young fella works if a young fella works two hours overtime now in the morning half it's gone in tax and a young fella starting out in business and we need those young people starting out we badly badly need them but like if a young fella going to work 80 here 90 hours a week he has to be rewarded financially mm-hmm. for his efforts mm-hmm. and I think that's something that seriously should be looked at and considered I know it's going to be difficult. But, like, if you're going to get a young fella to do what I'd done back in 1980, like he's not going to do it because he's going to be screwed for tax.
1: Eugene, it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you today on the Southern Star's West Cork Is The Business podcast. I've really enjoyed our conversation. And I'd like to wish you every continued success with both Scalia's Super Value and the Clonacilty Park Hotel
0: thank you sincerely for being my guest today well thank you sean and i hope that there's some youngster out there that finds some angle or corner around it that will encourage them to be uh, determined to get that business around the corner and i'm never too far away if somebody wants a word
2: of advice thanks for listening to the west cork is the business podcast We'll be back again next week with another episode, this time featuring CEO of Clannacilty-based Global Shares, Tim Houston. If you enjoyed this, please rate, review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget, the West Cork Business and Tourism Awards are now open for 2023. The awards are brought to you by the Southern Star in partnership with Carberry. So visit westcorkbusinessandtourismawards.ie to enter your business today. Thanks for listening.